Welcome to the Minister's Mantle Teaching Library of Pastor Jay Everly. This message is designed to impart a spirit of faith into your spirit and prepare you to flow skillfully with the ministry mantle God has for you in these end times. Here's Pastor Jay. If you brought your Bible, go again. In fact, to another verse that we haven't looked at over in the book of Hebrews. And uh, let's look at uh, another chapter here in the 8th chapter. Actually, uh, the uh, 5th verse, Hebrews chapter number 8 and verse number 5. We find uh, God speaking to Moses and uh, telling him about how to build the tabernacle and uh, what to do and how to shape it and how to make it and what, what's uh, designed and so forth. How many of you know if God tells you to do something, he'll tell you how? And so he's, tell, he's talking about that here in Hebrews chapter 8. And he said this in verse 5. We serve unto the shadow example of heavenly things as Moses was admonished by God or of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, you make all things according to the pattern shown to thee on the mount. Make all things according to the pattern shown unto thee on the mount. So let me ask you a question. What is to be the pattern of your ministry? Huh? According to what was shown thee, now in the mount, actually in Moses' case, he was up in the spirit realm. It wasn't just a mountain that he was on, although he was, but he was in the spirit. In other words, he wasn't in the natural. He wasn't just thinking, he was having an spiritual experience where God is talking to him. And so he's caught up in the glory of God. Remember the glory cloud came down on the mountain. And, oh, I got an amen corner up here. Come on, help me out. <laughs> but he's, he's in the Spirit, and God showed him in the Spirit a pattern for his ministry. How to build the tabernacle, so forth and so on. Gave him the Ten Commandments. We know the story. So here's the thing. Then that's what we're to do in our ministry. We're to walk and make all things, build our ministries according to the pattern shown us in the Spirit. Not the, the, uh, the thoughts of our own mind. Right. Amen. Not what we've figured out because we've read somebody's book about how to start cell groups or how to do this or how to do that. Now listen, don't misunderstand me. Maybe God spoke to you about cell groups and you can learn about how to do it from other people, but you're not pattering that after them. You're doing what God told you to do. So I don't want you to take me wrong, but I'm just simple because we can learn from one another, can't we? But my point is just doing something because in your, in your mind you had the idea, well, this would be a good thing to do. This will help me grow my church. Well, is that the pattern you saw when you were in the Spirit or is it just the pattern you saw when you were attending a meeting you saw how they did it? Oh, we should do that. Amen. So uh, we are spirit beings. God speaks to our spirit, not to our minds. The Bible said, Paul said this, he said, I pray God your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless. You are a spirit being. And God talks to your spirit. He bears witness with your spirit. Last year's minister's conference, we spent, I think the whole conference, I believe, we spent the whole conference talking about being led by the spirit of God. Not led by external circumstances, conditions, other people's ministries, what they're doing, but what God's telling us to do. What do we have to witness about? How does he lead us? He leads us internally, not externally. 
You don't get a leading by looking what somebody else is doing. You get a leading by looking in here. Amen. You get look in here. Amen. Now, maybe you'll look and see something, and the Spirit of God will witness with you about what, what they're doing, but that doesn't mean they led you. You, you got it in here. Amen. You wouldn't do it unless you got it in here. Amen. You know, that glory that Moses went up into in order to get direction has moved inside of you. <laughs> Woo! You're, you're the temple of God. You're the temple of God. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so he's going to direct you from where he is. He lives on the inside of you. So see to it that you make things according to the pattern that's shown you on the mount. Isn't that right? And so let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. We're just going to keep on working on this, keep on sticking with this, because the more you preach on it, things eventually start dawning on people what you're saying. Some of us, we're not realizing yet what the Holy Ghost is saying to us. So I had this experience when I arrived the first night I was here, came in Wednesday night, slept Wednesday night, God woke me up. I was, I was sleepy. I wanted to sleep, but he woke me up. That tells me how much he loves you. He wants to talk to you. He woke me up and interrupted my sleep so I could get a message to you. Praise the Lord. But I'm his. He can wake me up anytime. So, but anyway, he said, uh, I talked to him about this. Because he said to me, there, is, there are ministers in this conference who are under tremendous pressure uh, because they've gotten out of what I told them to do and they're overdoing their own thing. And the reason is because they're comparing themselves with other people. Amen. And then he said this. This is in the spirit. I was, I was woken. I was praying in tongues. I wanted to go back to sleep. And I laid there and I couldn't. I said, Lord, I know you wanted to talk to me. So I got in prayer and started praying. And he uh, started talking to me. He said, not only are they under pressure, I said, not only, he said, not only are they under pressure, but he said that pressure and that worry about all the stress and pressure that's come against them because of, of trying to do things I didn't tell them to do is breaking down their mind and breaking down their, some of them is going to start breaking down their bodies. And he said, it's affecting their spirits. Their spirits are full of anxiety. And then he said, and there are some that an evil spirit is beginning to oppress them because of it. Somebody said, well, I have authority over him. Not if you open the door to him. You can't resist him and open the door to him at the same time. Yeah, you do have authority over him, but you can't yield to him and uh, resist him at the same time. You see, Samson found out that you can't sleep with Philistines at night and fight them in the daytime. Come on back into the service. Amen. You can't, you can't worry... And then resist the devil at the same time. Worry is his goods. And the Lord said some of them are worrying because they're under tremendous pressure because they're doing things I never told them to do. And it's gobbling up their finances. It's they're struggling. They're under pressure financially. And then the harassment against their minds just growing. And he said now even an evil spirit is accommodating some of them. And it's under, they're, they're under oppression. He said I want you to teach on this so they can realize how they open the door to this. Amen. Somebody said, well, well, exercise authority over it, Pastor Jay. I can't. Well, I can, but he'd come right back. Unless you close the door. What's the door? Doing things God hasn't told you to do, which puts you under pressure. And here's why. 2 Corinthians, did you turn there? Did I tell you? I don't know if I told you where to go. Did I tell you where to go? 
2 Corinthians 10. There was somebody was listening to the Holy Ghost. Yeah, praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10. All right, verse number 12. 2 Corinthians 10, verse number 12. You found it? Hallelujah. Say, I found it. See, it's important that we look at these verses. Look at it in your Bible. Get your pen out and underline it. Brother Hagin, when I was coming up in Bible school, he said, if you can't write in your Bible and underline things in your Bible, throw it away and go get one you can. Amen. My Bible's all marked up. So uh, look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. We dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. <laughs> Not wise. How many of you know when you start comparing yourself or, he said, measure yourself by what somebody else is doing, he said, you're not wise. Why? Well, for a couple of reasons, but think about this. Comparing yourself to somebody else, you're going to come to one of two conclusions. You're going to conclude either your ministry and what you're doing for God is inferior to them or you're superior to them. And neither one of them are of God. An inferiority complex is not of God and pride is not of God. Well, look at me. I mean, they're just over here just doing this little thing. Look at me. I'm on TV. I'm this. I'm that. That's nothing but pride. Amen. Maybe God called you to be on TV and maybe God didn't call them to be on TV. That doesn't make you any more special. That doesn't make you a big chief now. And maybe he didn't tell you to be on TV. Maybe you just went on TV because there's more money in it. And God didn't tell you to be on TV anyway. Maybe. I don't know. That's between you and God. I'm not saying it wasn't. But I'm just saying, just because you're on TV and somebody else isn't, doesn't make you a better minister or, or a more important minister or superior and I'm doing more for God. Well, let's say God's, let's, let's take the scenario, maybe God did speak to you, go on TV, and maybe you're on TV, maybe you're reaching more people, you're being a, a blessing in the way God told you to be. Even if God told you to do it, and you're doing it, you're being faithful, you can't say to your brother, I'm superior to you. Amen. Because, because you have the grace to do it. I said, you have the grace to do it. And you're not rewarded for... Uh, in other words, you're rewarded for faithfulness. Amen. But so is your brother. God doesn't scale you on a scale and say, well, you're on TV so you get more reward. Or your brother's not so he gets a lesser reward. If God didn't call him to be on TV and he's faithful to what God called him to be, he'll get the same reward you'll get if you did it for the right motive. Huh? If you did it. You won't get any reward if you did it just to be on TV. Or just to raise money. Right. Come on, sir. Amen. 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 Woo! Glory to God. Amen. 
comparing ourselves amongst ourselves, he said we're not wise. And also, when you start comparing to your brother, you're going to start competing with him. Competition is not of God. You and I are on the same team. If you're on TV here in Nigeria and you're reaching tens of millions... And I come in and I reach ministers of, you know, whatever, we've got three, three, four, five hundred, whatever's coming. And, uh, amen. amen. Then uh, you're, 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 you're reaching more people. But you see, I'm not competing with you. If you're reaching more people than, and you're doing what God told you to do. Amen. If you're reaching more people, then I'm reaching more people. Because you're my brother. Amen. We're not competing with one another. We ought to rejoice with each other. Rejoice with them that rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Hey, this is freedom. I'm just going to keep preaching this until some of you go, oh, oh, yeah, oh, I see it, I see it, I see it. It's freedom. Comparing ourselves amongst ourselves, he said, you're not wise. And competition is not of God. And if you compare yourself and you oh, I'm not doing what he's doing, so I guess I'm an inferior minister, you need to tell the devil, get out of here. Because that's not of God. Pride's not of God. Inferiority complex is not of God. Amen. Our problem is we get to defining success by numbers. And I'm going to say it again. We define success too many times as the size of our church. Or whether or not we, we're doing as much as somebody else is doing. Do you realize that we, each of us have different graces? Some of us have a grace to pastor hundreds of uh, people. Some have a grace to pastor thousands of people. Some have grace to pastor tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands. But if you don't have the grace, and, and, and if you never do have the grace to pastor hundreds of thousands of people, you're not going to get a less reward than the man that pastors hundreds of thousands of people. Because rewards are not handed out. I'll say it again. Got to hear this. They're, he said, well done, thou good and faithful. They're handed out for faithfulness to what we were called to do and what the grace of God was on us to do, not handed out for the size of our ministry. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Noah in the Bible, was he a success? He's in the hall of fame of faith. Noah preached for, they say, about 120 years and never had one convert. Yet he's in the hall of fame of faith. His church wasn't ever, ever very big, was it? <laughs> Yet he was faithful. What did God tell him to do? Build that ark. Build that ark. And then get in it. Amen. Praise God. See, can you see my point? Get your eyes off this other stuff. Get your eyes off this glitter stuff. Not everything that glitters is gold. And not everything that's noisy is of God. Amen. Boy, y'all came in ready second session, I can tell. So, tell your neighbor, I'm getting free from all that stuff here today. Hallelujah. In fact, here's what you need to tell your neighbor. Look at your neighbor there. I'm supposing he's in the ministry or she's in the ministry. Maybe you know him, maybe you don't. But look at him and say, I'm free from your opinion of me. 
Amen. <laughs> Maybe you're sitting beside a big wig. You're sitting beside a big chief. So look at him again and say, I'm free from your opinion of me. Now, look at your neighbor that you just said that to and say, you're free from my opinion of you. Do you know you also need to be free from your opinion of yourself? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. You got to see it. Go back here. Look what Paul said about this. He said, um, uh, let's see here if I can find this real quickly. I just came up in my spirit. Just came up in my spirit. I got to find it. Uh, verse number, no, here it is, 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. Let no man, uh, or let a man so account of us as of the minute. This is chapter 4, verse number 1. 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. That's what we are. We're stewards of what God's given us. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. That's what we've been talking about. Faithful. Man be found faithful. You've got to be faithful what God called you to do. Then he said this, but with me it is a very small thing. Little we, little we, it's not important to me at all. It's a very small thing. What's small in importance to you, Paul? It's a very small thing that I should be judged of you. Or of man's judgment. In other words, your opinion of me and what you think about my success, what you think about my success, your opinion of me is a little wee issue to me. It means nothing. Means nothing. What you think about whether I'm doing what God told me to do, whether you think about my size of my ministry, whether you think about me being faithful to God or not, what you think about me means nothing to me. Nothing. Zero. Zero. Means nothing. So look at your neighbor and say, what your opinion of me is, nothing doesn't mean anything to me. Amen. Some of you men with bigger churches, you need to look at that. Look at your brother and listen to what he's saying. Because he's saying it means nothing to me what your opinion of me is. Oh, I'm a big chief. I, I'm Bless God. Huh? I'm the apostle. Amen. Glory to God. Freedom in the room. Freedom in the room. But Paul didn't stop there. Look at the next part of the verse. With me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. So not only am I free from your opinion of me and you're free from my opinion of, uh, I mean, you're free from my opinion of you. Then he said, he went one step further. He said, I'm even free from my own opinion of myself. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. You know, you can get down on yourself. You can start, you know, feeling sorry for yourself. Well, I just don't have the success that so-and-so has. And think you can get a low opinion of your own importance. But see, now you're under the condemnation of your own opinion. 
I'll never forget one time I was praying in my couch. I was in my living room at there at the house where we live, and I and uh, I was praying about something. I just I thought I had done a terrible job on something. I'm saying, Lord, I'm so sorry. And I was talking about to the Lord about it, and the Spirit of God came on me like a cloud, and He started saying, I was pleased with the way you handled that. And he started correcting the way I saw myself. I, I went through about half a box of hankies, weeping, just crying, because God, God thought I did a good job. He spoke to me and said he thought I did a good job. Now, see, he's also at times told me I did a pretty bad job. But see, my opinion of myself is not important. It's how he sees me. How he sees me. Praise the Lord. Then he said there, that's in verse number... Uh, Verse number four, uh, I mean verse number three, but look at verse number four. For I know nothing by myself, by myself. In other words, alone, number one, but number, the margin says against myself. I know nothing against myself. In other words, he lived with a clear conscience. I know nothing against myself or by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. In other words, just because just I think I'm doing a pretty bang up job. You ever thought you did a pretty good job and then you grew some spiritually and you look back on what you did and you thought, oh my goodness, dear Lord. <laughs> Amen. Well, what we got to do is then forget about our own opinion. Well, I think I did a pretty good job. Just, just, just don't get into pride about it. Well, I, did, I think I did a pretty poor job. Well, I'll ask the Lord about it. Don't, don't get down on yourself. Praise the Lord. Well, I did better in that circumstance than brother so-and-so did. Wait, 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 wait. Comparing yourselves amongst yourselves. Not smart, not smart. Amen. For I know nothing against myself, yet am I not hereby justified. He that judges me is the Lord. Therefore, verse 5, judge nothing before the time. In other words, until you get to the judgment seat of Christ, you just walk in all the light you have, do the best job you know, walk in all the plan God said to be faithful, be diligent, give yourself to your ministry, take heed to it, fulfill it. Amen. Amen. Don't judge yourself about how good you're doing, just do as good as you know how to do. And then if it wasn't a good job, he'll sort all that out when you get there. And if it was a good job, he'll say, well done. Well done. Well done. Not half, not halfway down the course. Done. Done. Amen. Well, that is all free. I won't charge you a dime for that. But like I said, our, our, our problem is we define success by numbers. We define success by the size of the church, how many people we minister to every weekend. Now, we ought to seek to, to reach as many people as we can. I don't, don't take what I'm preaching to you wrong. I'm just talking about defining your success. Let God tell you what a success means. Success just simply means whether you were faithful or not. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, it says there, make all things according to the pattern shown unto thee in the mount. Matthew 28, no, excuse me, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, Jesus said, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I'll put more on you. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was reading some of your Bibles. I'll, I'll give you rest. I'm having a good time. Y'all still having a good time? I'll give you rest. Notice that. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. How many of you remember this verse? 
take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke, say it out loud, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Then he said, you know, compare, or, or thinking about that verse along with Psalm 127, verse number one, lest the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. Isn't that right? Isn't that what that verse says? So there is, there is hard labor, and then there's easy labor. Because he said, labor, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. Heavy laden. That means hard labor. But then he said over there in Psalm 127, uh, lest the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. There is labor involved in the ministry. The call to the ministry is not a call to sit on the couch. Amen. It's a, lay, it's a call to work. Remember whenever God called Saul or Paul, Paul over there in Acts 13, they ministered to the Lord and fasted, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Ministry is work. Amen. But see, it ought to be that you're working with the Lord, not doing it all on your own because you're out there doing your own plan. The Bible does not actually teach. Now hear me out, because you'll, you'll you'll think of you'll say, wait wait a minute, he's preaching the wrong doctrine. Wait a minute, wait a minute, don't 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 before you go, before you walk out the door, uh, listen to what I'm saying. The Bible does not actually teach and preach working for the Lord. First Corinthians three, I believe it's verse nine, said we're laborers together with God. You and I are not to work for the Lord, but work with Him. That's where people miss it. They just go out and do anything they can find to do for the Lord. Well, you might start out that way. I mean, if you're going to get, when you get saved, just get involved in church and help anywhere, anywhere that they can, they, they need you to help. You might start out that way, but as the, as you grow, God's going to start talking to you about what He really has for you. And if you're called to the ministry, not everybody is, of course, but if you're called to the ministry, then God will start leading you in what to do to prepare for that yes, sir. and helping, serving somebody else as part of preparing for that. Yeah. The Bible says if you can't be faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? Yes, Amen. If you can't follow, you can't lead. Right. In the kingdom of God, the way up is down. Serving, serving, not, not, not be promoting myself. I'm a big wig. I can't, I can't clean the toilets because I'm called to be an apostle. Well, the word apostle means sent, and the first place he's going to send you is to serve somebody else. Because he said, I won't give you your own unless you can't have that which is your own unless you can serve somebody else. Luke 16, in case you big wigs thought it wasn't in the Bible. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, that's what we ought to keep as a servant's heart. Just want to please the Lord. Anyway, just help. But so we see here, he said, uh, he said uh, we're, we're uh, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. So I like to say it this way. There is labor in the flesh without God being involved in what you're doing, and that's hard labor. Labor in the flesh is hard labor. Labor in the spirit is light and easy labor. In other words, you put your hand to it, but the power of God comes on it to make it succeed. Hallelujah. Amen. You get in the plan of God and where God has for you to be, it will succeed. I mean, if you use your faith for it. 
not just being an unbelief about it, but use your faith for it. It'll succeed. Now, what is success? Being faithful. In other words, you, you will bear fruit. Bear fruit. Let me say this about fruit. Remember, we, we talked about John 15. I've ordained you to go and bring forth fruit, and your fruit should remain. Fruit does not equal numbers. Now, you hear me preach this, and it sounds like I'm preaching against having large churches. Absolutely not. I'm just simply saying we hear the other side of it so much that we start putting the wrong definition on success. An unscriptural definition on success. If you are faithful, you will bear fruit. But fruit doesn't automatically mean numbers. Amen. It can mean numbers, but not automatically. You know, you can do a lot of things to draw a crowd. You can give away cars. You know what I'm talking about? You can have real uh, fancy light scene, you know, light, light program where lights are flashing and stuff. Amen. It's too bad Paul didn't have that in the old, in, back there in the, book of, in the book of Acts. Boy, think what he could have done if he'd have had that kind of light system. Poor Paul. Changed the known world without a light system. That's a lot of glitter bug stuff. Amen. But you can draw a crowd with a lot of different things. You can draw a crowd giving away cars. You can draw a crowd with a crowd with a lot of glitter. You know, you can draw a cloud. Cloud. You can draw a crowd with uh, the right kind of music that they like. But do you realize there's a difference between entertainment and the anointing on music? It's the anointing that breaks the yoke, not entertainment. You know, the praise and worship team in your church, boy, I'm on it this morning. The praise and worship team in your church are not entertainers. Let me say it. You read in the book of Acts, like for example, uh, in Acts 13, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. If you look up, the, some of you need to do it. Go home and look up the word praise and worship in the New Testament. And in the New Testament, it's always unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. Not before the Lord like the Old Testament. Unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. In other words, in praise and worship, the people, when the praise and worship team's up here, the people are not the audience. He's the audience. It's directed not towards the people, it's directed towards Him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm just talking about things people do. I'm not preaching against a good worship team. We have one, of, I think, the best one in our city. Maybe the best one in our whole state. I believe you ought to be excellent in what you do. That's right. But yet their hearts need to be to worship God, not to entertain. See how I can dance and I can. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, so let's look back here. He said in Matthew, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. I'll give you what? I'll give you rest. Not, not more stress. I'll give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. 
For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest unto your souls. Am I, am I quoting? Did you look at that verse? He said, learn of me. In other words, if it's hard labor, if it's hard labor and, and God's not in it, you're not bearing any fruit. Amen. You're in the wrong yoke. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, get out of that yoke. Get over in his yoke. What he called you to do. Get in that. I said, get in that. And when you get in that, it'll be light and easy. Now, it'll still be work, but the power of God will be there to push it through. The power of God, in other words, I like to say sometimes, because uh, I grew up on the farm and I understand uh, you know, how those yokes work. A yoke is an instrument that you put an animal in, a horse or something, a mule or something, or an oxen, and you, they pull the plow, you know. But some yokes are made, the one he's talking about here is, well, like the yokes that are double yokes, they have a, a place for two animals to work together. Because you're, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. In other words, you're yoking up with the Lord. You're laboring with him, yes. not for him. Amen. Certainly not against him, but you're laboring with him. Yes. So you're yoking up with the Lord. So you're in the yoke. He's on the other side of the yoke. Amen. 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 And I was thinking about an old farmer, a story I heard years ago about an old farmer. He was out uh, on his farm. He looked across the neighbor's field. and Over there is his neighbor farmer plowing with a yoke of of horses, two horses. One was this big burly horse, great big horse. And uh, the other one just this little wee horse. And it looked like they were unequally yoked, you know. And he kept watching, kept watching. And he finally he went over there, went over there and talked to his neighbor farmer. He said, uh, I've been watching these two horses working together. And he said, that big horse is doing all the work. Why do you have this little runt down here beside him? You know, in the he's in the farmer said, "Oh, he said uh, that big horse. He he won't work in a yoke by himself because he thinks he's doing all the work. But he said, if you put a horse in beside him, he thinks that horse is doing some work, so he'll pull. And actually, he's doing all the work. He's the big horse. I thought, you know what? That's what it's like to be in the yoke with the Lord." You're walking with him. You're staying with him. You're keeping up with him. But he's the one doing all the pulling. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus is the, I don't mean to be disrespectful calling him a horse, but you understand the, the scenario. Jesus is the big horse in this yoke. Amen. <laughs> If you'll get in the right yoke, you'll, do, you'll find he'll do all the pulling. Yes, sir. Yeah. Your job is just to keep up with him, yeah. just to walk with him. Yeah. He says, turn right yeah. or, or turn left, you turn left. Uh -huh. You turn right, you turn right. Yeah. He says, stop, you stop. Yes. He Amen. says, this is the wrong field. Let's get in that field over there. So you get in the field you're supposed to be in. Amen. Praise the Lord. So it is work, but it's, it's light and easy work. If you're going to do your own uh, ministry of your own plans, your own imagination, your own invention, your own concoction in your own eye between your ears and figure it out, and now uh, this is what I'm going to do, it's gonna, you're going to be in the flesh. Whenever you're in the flesh, you're in Satan's territory and Satan can attack you there. And that's hard labor. But labor in the spirit is light and easy labor. And whenever God's in it, it'll be full of marvels. 
Psalm 118 says in verse number 23, this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. When the Lord's doing it, whenever the Lord's in it, it'll be full of marvels. It'll be full of supernatural interventions. It'll be full of provision. Glory. Particularly whenever you walk by faith and not by, not by unbelief, but you walk by faith. And God will make sure and put it over. If he doesn't put it over, he's working against himself. But you see, if he's called you, he's obligated to put that over. He's not obligated to put something over that we have decided to do. If we do it, then we got to pay for it. But if he does it, then he's got to pay for it. And when the bill comes in, you can say, Father, I just thank you. One of your bills came in. <laughs> One of your bills. I cast the care of this over on you. For you care for me. You told me to do this. I say to our people sometimes at our church, if your company, the company you work for, sends you to another part of the United States or some other part of the world on a, on a business trip, uh, they'll pay the bill for it. Amen. They don't make you pay the bill for that because you're working for them. Well, do you think God's as smart as the businessman is? He's a whole lot smarter. And if he's got something in mind for you to do, he's also got a supply for it. He'll supply the need of it. You just have to walk by faith. That's a whole other subject. Walking by faith is a whole other subject. But uh, that's how you become what God has ordained for you to be. I'm giving you a lot of things without turning to them, but you remember in Romans 4 it talks about Abraham and his faith that God said God called him something that was not as though, it was, as though he was, called him a father of a multitude even when he wasn't, do you remember? And said, uh, a father of many nations, have I made thee? Have I made thee? And then who against hope believed in hope, Abraham, he, he against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Now God said, I have already made you, but he had to use his faith to become what God said, I've already made you. Some of us, God said, I've made you a pastor. I've made you a, a leader of a, of, a, of a group of ministers. I've made you a apostolic. I've made you whatever. I've made you that. But see, you're going to have to use your faith to become what he's made you. You can't sit back and twiddle your thumbs whenever he says, okay, now I want you to do this, I want you to do that. You've got to step out in faith. Amen. Step out in faith. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So uh, let's uh, think about some of this. Uh, he said here, uh, come unto me and uh, I'll give you rest. And so according to Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain to build it. There is such a thing as vain labor. There is such a thing as somebody working hard and it's all for vain. Amen. Now you look up the word vain and it, it literally in the Hebrew it means a, a, a tempest or a storm that comes through and destroys. So what it's talking about is the devil will get into that. It'll all be vain. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. And fig figuratively, in the Hebrew, figuratively, it means idolatry. Mm -hmm. Idolatry. Mm -hmm. So what is it when we're doing our own plan? If the Lord's not building the house, just us doing it. Yes, sir. What is it? Idolatry. idolatry. We've set up an idol in our own mind and concocted an idea of what we're supposed to be doing. Or we've looked at what somebody else is doing 
and said, that's what I'm going to do. I want to do that. I like that. I like, I like the fact that they're well known. They're on TV. That's what I'm going to do. That's an idol. Amen. An idol is something we put before God. Or we, we put as a priority before God. Idolatry is, is uh, I mean, let's put it this way. One of the ways you can define idolatry is doing our own plan. It all comes out of pride. Yes, sir. Amen. Ambition of the flesh. There's, there's right ambition for the plan of God, but then there's ambitions of the flesh. Glory. Glory to God. All right. Now, can you handle some more? Um, let's think about something. Uh, let's think about uh, 1 John 2, 16 and 17. A verse you're probably familiar with. Um, well, I'll tell you what, let's save some time. Let's, because of time here today, let's go to 1 Peter. Let's go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. And chapter number 5. And uh, we'll start with verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Poke your neighbor and say humility. humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Why? That he may exalt you, exalt you in due time. In due time. Notice God does want to exalt you. In other words, He wants to increase you in the ministry. I mean, this could apply to finances. It could apply to a whole lot of different things. But we're talking about the ministry. He does want to increase you. He does want to make you more effective. He does want you to reach more people. He does want you to have more influence in the body of Christ. Amen. To grow and uh, to take on more and more of what his plan for you is. He wants to exalt you into that. Amen. 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 Of course, it's within the call. You can't, it's just not any kind of, it's, 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 he wants to do it within that call, not, yes. not, not some idolatry thing. Amen. You know? Amen. So, um, so he does want to exalt you and he does want to promote you. Promotion, the Bible says, though, comes from the Lord, doesn't it? Amen. Doesn't come from the east to southwest, it comes from the Lord. And so you and I are to look to the Lord and to humble ourselves before the Lord and let Him exalt us. In other words, not promote ourselves, not exalt ourselves, but let Him do it. He will exalt you, King James says in the sixth verse, He will exalt you in due time. Due time. You know when due time is? When's due time? Remember Galatians, it talks about Galatians 6. You know, he'll, he'll reap if you faint not. In due season, you'll reap if you faint not. Yeah. Due time, due season. Yeah. And somebody said, well, when is due season? I'll tell you, God told me when it was. I know exactly. I can tell you exactly when due time is. Yes, sir. You want to you get your calendar out and put it down? I'll tell you when it is. <laughs> due time and due season, here's what it is. It's after you thought it was. Yeah. 
right over their heads. Didn't get it. In other words, you're, you, you usually think you're ready. I usually think I'm ready before really I am ready. Amen. It's usually not until we die to being more influential in the body of Christ and that we crucify that and we just decide, Lord, I'm going to be faithful whatever, however you promote me. It's not until we die to that that finally we are finally ready. But when we're still kicking and we're still, you know, trying to, trying to promote ourselves and pastor, pastor, use me. Let me preach. Let me preach. Let me, let me teach that class. Let me. You're not ready yet. You're not humbling yourself before the Lord. You're, you're in the selfish, fleshly ambition, not in faithfulness. And you have the wrong focus. Amen. Amen. So do seasons usually after you think it is. It's usually not until you get all that kick out of you that you're, that you're, until all that's gone, then you're ready. I heard a story years ago of an old sailor. He was, he was, he brought his sailboat in. He brought it into the dock, pulled the sails down. And he had a young upstart guy helping him out, never had been out before. This is the first time he had been out sailing with, with this old seasoned sailor. He took the boat out, you know, for, for decades. He's had, he's been on the water through all kinds of storms and all kinds of things. And so this new seasoned young guy was working for him, and he said, uh, he said, go up there. He told the young, this seasoned sailor, he said, go up there and, uh, you know, bring those sails down. And so he's up there. And while he's up there, this young guy was uh, doing what he told him to do. Uh, a wave, a bigger wave hit the boat and, and knocked it sideways for a moment. You know how boats go sideways, and they come back. But it knocked him sideways. And that young man up there wasn't ready for it, and it knocked, uh, it knocked him uh, off the perch he was holding on to, knocked him into the water. And come to find out, this young guy couldn't swim. And so he's, he went down and he came up, help, and he went down again. And the old sailor ran over to the edge of the boat and just stood there. And uh, they thought he was waiting until he came back up again. But the young man came back up again, help, help. He's flailing and flailing and went back down again. And the old man's just standing there waiting for him. He came back up the third time. <laughs> he's yelling hell and screaming and, you know. Yeah. And he's just sitting there waiting for him. He went down the fourth time. Yeah. Finally, the fourth time he came up and he just went limp. Guy jumped in the water and grabbed exactly. him. Yeah. And the people standing by, they said, what did you wait so long for? He said, I had to wait till he got all the kick out of him. Because if he'd have had, if he'd have, if I'd have jumped in there when he had all that kick in him, he said he'd have drowned himself and me too. And you pastors have to remember that whenever you got these young preachers that are coming up under you, they're ambitious, they want to do something. They, let me pastor, let me pastor. You just know they're not ready until they get all that kick out of it. Well, they're not recognizing my gift here. I'm going to go somewhere else. Okay, bye. Un unfaithful. When you come back to my church, or if you do, you're going to have to get in the back of the line because faithful people are who I use. Not gifted people, faithful people. Faithful people. People that will stay put. If God told them to come to your church, then they, they leave because you don't use them yet because they're still kicking, you know. Well, they're not faithful. Glory to God. You'll do a whole lot better. You'll have a much more stable ministry to use faithful people rather than gifted people. Gifted people usually have a higher opinion of themselves than yes, they should. Yes, you got to get that out of them or they'll never be used for God. You notice the first thing he said here is humble yourself. Humble yourself. 
Am I preaching all right? Humble yourself. So, notice how he said that. Humble yourself uh, and then God will exalt you in due time. Now notice verse 7. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Boy, he does, doesn't he? He cares for me. Tell your neighbor, he cares for me. And he cares for you. He's a good God. He's a, he's a, he's a good heavenly father. But uh, we often take that verse out of its context. 1 Peter 5, casting all my care on him for he cares for me. Well, we can use it about finances. We can use it about, you know, all kinds of things. He cares for us. We can cast all our care on him. But notice here from the context, the care he is speaking of from the verse before that is the anxiety of promotion and increase. Cast the care of you being a big chief. <laughs> He's the one that told me that term, so now I know how to use it. Cast the care of being, being uh, you know, big name in the body of Christ, having a big church. Cast the care of that over on the Lord. Amen. So too many times what's motivating us in those things is not humility. Faithfulness is not motivating us. What's motivating us so many times is pride. Amen. Somebody said, well, I didn't come here to hear this. Well, praise the Lord. Then go out and stay, stay in vain labor then. But so many times pride is motivating us. Amen. And what's motivating us to do things that God didn't tell us and assign us to do is just fleshly ambition for recognition in the body of Christ because we want to have a big name. Can you see it? People get under the stress of all kinds of bondage and pressure rather than liberty. See, your, your ministry ought to, be, you ought to be full of joy being in the ministry. Paul said, none of these, remember they said that over there in Acts 19, or verse, actually Acts 20, I'm going to Jerusalem and the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, bonds and afflictions are abiding me there in Jerusalem. But he said, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Notice that I might finish my course with joy. Joy. You're, you ought to be running this race with joy. Not all the pressure. Uh, of, of anxiety because you've been into all, you pushed yourself into all kinds of fleshly ambitious things to try to promote the ministry. Amen. Amen. Which is coming out of pride. They get under all kinds of bondage rather than the joy of being in the ministry. That's why so many people burn out and quit. Amen. Paul finished his course with joy, not the stress of competitive jealousy. Isn't, isn't that right? So Paul put the, he puts these two verses together here in verse number, notice again, verse number six and seven. He'll exalt you, humble yourself under the hand of the Lord. He'll exalt you in due time, casting all your care on him. See, the context there is the care of being exalted. Isn't that right? Do you realize God does want to exalt you? But he wants to do it. And he wants to do it his way. And in due time, as he counts us faithful. As we've humbled ourselves yes, and said, God, I just, do, I just want to do whatever you want me to do. I don't care if I ever have a big name. If God raises you up that way, then you'll be in position to handle it if you start out humble and stay humble. 
Glory to God. Praise God. So, a lot of times we, we divide those verses and we, we interpret them apart. But it's, it's talking about the pride that pushes us into things to promote ourselves. A lot of people get anxious about those things. And that's what the Lord spoke to me about. He said there's ministers here that have done things just because of self-promotion, trying to, trying to make their ministry big. And uh, he said they got into things I didn't even call them to do. And he said it's getting, the anxiety that that put them in has gotten on, on top of them. And he said, now demon, there's demons trying to begin to oppress them. Well, we're going to take authority over that, but the only way it's going to stay off of you is if you go home and start cutting out some programs that you've started. Amen. I don't mean everything, but what God told you to do, what God did not tell you to do. Hallelujah. Praise God. Remember Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is light and it's easy. The reason sometimes people are, uh, what people are trying to do is so hard is because they're in the wrong yoke. You ought to be, have enough sense to ask yourself the question, why is this so difficult? We understand that it takes labor, but, it, but there ought to be some, uh, some results. Not struggling in poverty for 20 years. You know, faithfulness will be rewarded with abundance. Yes, sir. And that'll, that'll come whether, whether you have a church of 100,000 or never rise above 1,500. You can be just as wealthy as any man faithful over there with 100,000. Because you're working in your assignment and you're faithful to your calling. With God, prosperity is not based on the size of your church. It's based on faithfulness. How about the back half of the church? Did you get it? It's based on faithfulness. Glory. I don't have the biggest church in America by a long shot. But yet right on the other hand, I just keep increasing and financially increasing. I mean, look at Pastor Jay. He's loaded. Amen. Amen. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to say God's word works. God's faithful. 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 Praise the Lord. I did it. I preached myself happy. Glory to God. Glory to God. But let's finish this up. Go over to Hebrews chapter number. Well, let's go to James chapter number four. We'll wrap this up. We're not going to go a whole lot longer. And, uh, but Hebrews, uh, I'm sorry, James chapter number four. Verse 6, I want you to see here. Verse 6 says, He gives more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud and gives grace unto the humble. Say that out loud. He gives grace unto the humble. All right, now read verse number 10. Humble yourselves, therefore in the sight of the Lord. From verse 6, what will happen when you or I do that? There'll be grace. Now let's define grace again. There's a whole lot of ways you could define grace. We don't have time to get into it all, but I just like to go back to there. When it comes to ministry, there's ministry grace. There's saving grace, there's serving grace, and there's standing grace. God will help you do something you can't do in all those areas. You can't save yourself, but by His grace you can be saved by through faith. And then, you know, grace to stand whenever things are 
tough. And uh, we do that by faith, tap into that by faith. But here he's talking about serving grace. And he said, God will exalt. Let's look what he said. He'll give grace to the humble. And then verse number 10 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, in the sight of the Lord. And he already said he'll give grace to the man that does that. And notice, he shall lift you up. You believe he wants to do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He'll lift you up. So if the humble get the grace and the grace or, or the humble get lifted up, then it's grace or God's ability that lifts you up. Remember Hebrews 4, 16, grace to help. Come to the throne of grace, find grace to help in the time of need. Grace is God's help. Anytime you have help, it's easier. When you're on your own, it's hard. Hard labor. But if you're in his plan, there'll be his help. Amen. That'll be, you'll be in his yoke. Are you putting this all together now? Yes. And in his yoke, there'll be anointing there. There'll be power there to push it through, to make it succeed. And that help will cause it not to be as hard of a labor. Amen. Isn't that right? Amen. So by staying humble, something will come on you that enables you to walk out that plan God has for you. Amen. Amen. And enable you to walk in a place that otherwise you could not walk. Amen. Amen. Yes, Amen. Amen. Without his help, you and I, have, you know, we talk about who we are in Christ, and rightly so. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need to make those confessions. But also we need to remember something Jesus said. I can of my own self do nothing. Amen. And remember that all I'm able to do, all the people that are coming, all the people that are, their lives have changed, all the, the ability to, to, if God calls you and go on TV or have a big, big ministry of some kind, all that ability, we have to remember, I couldn't do a thing. I couldn't do any of this without His help. And we have to remember that or else we get lifted up in pride. Look at me. Oh, no, wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 wait. Pride goes before destruction. You're going down. And I've seen it many times. So we also speak, no, not only say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but we can do nothing without Him. Amen. Of our own selves, we can do nothing. Amen. But thank God we're not of ourselves. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Especially if we're staying right with His plan. Isn't that right? A man who doesn't humble himself and gets out in his own plan, although he has not humbled himself, he will often be humbled by the failure that his own efforts produce apart from God. Without God's help. Amen? God didn't do it to him. He did it to himself. Praise the Lord. You can finagle your way and, and manipulate your way into something that the grace of God can't keep you there. Because it was all you manipulating to get that to happen. I know a young man, I, I actually went to Bible school with him. He came up in the same Bible school I came up, and I remember at Dad Hagen's funeral, past, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Kenneth e. Hagen's funeral, I'm sitting there, and he sat beside me, and he asked me what I was doing. I told him what I was doing, pastoring and different things we were doing. And uh, he sort of got all puffed up in pride, looked down his nose at me, and like, well, bless God, I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I got thousands of people here, and a thousand people there. I thought, man, you stink. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about pride. Yes. Pride stinks. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. So I just marked him and I thought to myself, I'm going to watch this guy. 
and he maneuvered and finagled and rubbed shoulders with the right people, actually got all the way up to where he's rubbing shoulders with Paul Crouch. Now he's in heaven of TBN. Do you all have TBN? Well, you probably still have it over here. Paul Crouch went to heaven. Anybody know what TBN is? Trinity Broadcasting. So he's all the way. He finagled. He worked all the way up. And actually now here's Paul, well, Paul Krause didn't know about it, I found out later. Paul Krause didn't know about it, but they, they put him on one of their telethons to raise funds on Christian TV all over the world. And I, I turned it on, and there he was. And I listened to him for a while, and I heard in my spirit, covetousness. Somebody said, what happened? I found out later, Paul Krauts found out about it and heard him on there and said, don't let him on there anymore. And he fell. I don't know where he is today. I don't know. I guess he's in the ministry. Are you still out there? It's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. I said, you can finagle yourself and push yourself and manipulate your way. See, the way of the world is self-promotion. The way of the kingdom of God is faithfulness. Faithfulness, yes, faithfulness. Amen. And so uh, you, can, you can finagle your way in. You can self-promote yourself uh, into something that the grace of God won't keep you there. Yeah. And that's embarrassing yes, to be cut down, cut, your legs cut out from underneath you ministerially. Yes, you just don't want anything to do with it. You might think so, but you don't. You don't want anything to do with it. Yes, amen. Amen? amen? Well, did you get anything out of that? Yes, Stand to your feet with me if you can. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for the word. Unless the Lord build the house. Say that with me. Unless the Lord builds the house. They labor in vain to build it. Amen. Well, ask yourself the question. What I'm doing right now in the ministry, when did God speak to me about? Not when did I go to somebody's conference and they said that's what they were doing and so I decided that's what I'm going to do. No, when did God speak to you? Amen. You remember 1 John 5, 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Notice whatsoever is born. Not just whosoever. But whatsoever, whatsoever. In other words, what you're doing, was that born of God? That ministry program you started, was that born of God? Amen. Hallelujah. I've had people on staff start programs, and I told them God's not in it. And it's been floundering the whole time. I said, I told you God's not in it. Not born of God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Sober, isn't it? It's good, it's good to be sober sometimes. You know, we don't have any chandeliers in here or else we'd swing, swing from the chandeliers. <laughs> but this will, if you, if you uh, don't shout today, you'll shout later if you put this into practice. Whatsoever is born of God. Ask yourself the question. In fact, bow your head right now. Examine yourself. Say, Lord, what I'm doing right now. Where, 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 where did I get the idea to do this? I mean, am I just copying somebody else? Am I just doing what they did? Where did I get the, the plans that I'm following? Am I following the pattern? Am I making things according to the pattern shown me on the mount? 
Hallelujah. Father, I examine. I lay everything out before you. Every department, all the, the, the ministry, everything I'm doing. Everybody I've hired. Why did I hire them? What was my motive? Lord, I lay it all on the altar this morning. It's all yours. In the name of Jesus, I don't want any idols in my life. I don't want anything in my life that, that really opens the door to the enemy. It's dangerous. It'll turn out badly for me. So, Father God, I, I sanctify myself. I dedicate myself to only do your plan, only do your will. Lord, you said in your word, there is the good, there is the acceptable, and then there is the perfect will of God. I want the perfect will of God. Not just something good over here, but something that is the perfect will of God for me. Praise your name. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Eberly's ministry, please visit us on Facebook at Jay Eberly Ministries. Email us at info at eberlyministries.org or call us at 319-366-2147. And remember, God prepares the man to fit the mantle, not the mantle to fit the man. Thank you.